We are in Sefer Malachim Beis, Perik Chavhei, the last Perik of Malachim Beis, Pasuk Ches. So we saw that on the tent of Tebes, Nebuchadnezzar and his general Nebuchadnezzar begin their siege of Yerushalayim. Some 30 months later, they breached the wall on what is the ninth of Thomas, but we observe it as the 17th of Thomas to comport with the second Beis HaMikdash as well. And now we begin the actual destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Ubachodesh HaChamishi, in the fifth month, that would be of, Bishiva Lachodesh, that would be the seventh day, Hishnas Tesha Esrei Shana Lamelech Nebuchadnezzar, the 19th year in the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Melech Bavel. Ba Nebuchadnezzar, comes Nebuchadnezzar, Rab Tabachim, and we can explain Rab Tabachim as we will see the butcher or the executioner, Eved Melech Bavel Yerushalayim. They come to Yerushalayim. So we've got some immediate problem there that it says the seventh of of they come to the temple. Yirmiyahu, which we indicated, the prophet Yirmiyahu is a prime source of information on this vital period. And he says it's the tenth of of that the temple was burned. So is it the seventh? Is it the ninth, as we observe, or is it the tenth, uh, Yirmiyahu says it is? So, our starting point would be Meseches Tanis, Daf Chaf Tes, Amud Aleph, which lays out a timeline that I think makes it much clearer. Let me read it. Vitanya, we learn in a brisa. Ef Sholomar b'shiva shaharek far nemar ba'asar. You can't say that the temple was destroyed on the seventh because it looks like in Yirmiyahu that the incident takes place on the tenth. The Ef Sholomar ba'asar, and you can't say it's on the tenth. Shaharek far nemar b'shiva because it says in Malachim Bey, is the Pasuk we're reading now, it's the seventh. So which is it? Haketzah, is what the Gemara asks. It answers the Gemara. B'shiva nichnesu nachrim lehecha. On the seventh, as they call them, the nachrim, the heathens enter the sanctuary. The achlu v'kilkalubo shevshvi v'shmini. But they don't destroy it. They eat, they perform depraved acts on the seventh and eighth within the temple. They desecrate it. They, they just do absolutely vile, obscene things. Tishi Somoch he'd say so or. And on the ninth, towards evening, is when they actually set the fire. It burns, and it continues to burn the entire day of the 10th, uh, as we have learned. And Rav Yochanan thus says, on the basis of this b'risa, 
uh, had I lived in that generation, I would have fixed the commemoration on the 10th, not the 9th, because on that day, most of the Mikdash was actually burned. Rabbanon, who insist on the 9th, they hold that it is better to fix the commemoration to the beginning of the calamity, the ninth, than the major portion of the calamity itself. You start from the beginning. And of course, this is a debate that comes down to our day. Uh, we know that usually the minhag, if not the halacha, is that, you know, if we don't eat meat the nine days, let's say, uh, we don't resume eating meat, not on the outgoing ninth, but we wait till at least after chatzos on the tenth. So it is not without its relevance to this day. And so that's what it's fixed on. It is the ninth. We observe it because it is the beginning, but at the same time, we are mindful that it continues well into the tenth. Do we, yes. do we know, did they knock down the stone walls, or did it was just, they just left the Beit HaMikdash basically like an empty shell? And when, they no. came, when we came back, with the stone walls, did they, did they have to rebuild no. them? It looks like they destroy everything. It's a vacant lot. It's it's just totally emptied. Because that would have been a, quite a project, right, to knock down the walls. Right, but that, that's what we learned yesterday, that after this is over, they knock down the walls of Yerushalayim. That's a bigger project and unnecessary. Yeah. The only purpose is to inflict an additional humiliation and to show they did it just because they can do it. So that would explain uh, the differences we get in the ninth and the tenth. Pasuk tes, by Yisrofes beis Hashem beis beis Hamelech, they burn the house of the Kaddish Baruch Hu and the beis Hamelech, the house of the king. Ves kol bate Yerushalayim, they burn every house in Yerushalayim. Ves kol beis Gadol sarach ba'esh, they burn every large house. What does beis Gadol mean? large house, important house. Everyone agrees, the Mepharshim and Chazal, that this refers to two things. The Batei Midrashos, the study halls, and the Batei Knesio, the shuls. And from this we get a limud that you cannot survive without either. In other words, you can stay in the Batei Midrash and learn all day, but if you don't go to Davin with the Tzibor, you're not actually fulfilling it. And vice versa, you can be Davning and ensure every never miss a Davning, but if you're not in the base Midrash learning, you are not being Mekayim, your responsibility as a Jew. So that both are, re- are vital to our survival, and that's why they destroy both. They know just what they're doing. Veschomas Yerushalayim Savir. Here's the end. They, they tear down the walls of Yerushalayim. Notzun Kolchel Kastim Asher Rabtochim Tabochim. Under Nevuzardan, they destroy every wall. And the truth is, you conquered the city. You burnt all the houses. What do you need to destroy the outer walls of Yerushalayim for no other reason to inflict that final humiliation? Uh, now, 
There is a, a fascinating medrash that we have learned once before that we should just go over again. It's in Mesefta Sanhedrin, Dachsati Vav Amud Beis, and it concerns the behavior of Nevuzardan. The other Mepharshim and the rest of the Gemaras and Gitin and Sanhedrin, he described him as a totally sadistic, wild-eyed, bloodlust killer. I mean, he goes beyond what, there's even a parish that says Nebuchadnezzar told him, limit the carnage, limit the, he goes just absolutely uncontrollably wild. The description of the killings that go beyond men, women, children, but even to um, unborn children are brutally and sadistically killed. And so we have a very interesting um, medrash or agadata. So while he's in the base Hamikdash, Nebuzardan sees the blood seething, boiling on the floor of the base Hamikdash. It is the blood, as we've learned, of Zechariah. 252 years before, the people under the king's order murder Zechariah, who is the Kohen Gadol, and a Navi. Kohen Venavi, they murder him at the altar in the Chatzer, and his blood stays indelibly, it can't be removed, boiling to the day Nebuzardan comes in there. And of course, Nebuzardan sees it, and he say, uh, my high, what is this? And they say, it's dum zvachim hu they, they blow him off with, no, it's blood from offerings that we just spilled. Nebuzardan says to him, I say, bring me some blood here. Bring me blood that's just come from Corbanos. Let me see if they resemble. Kasi, they slaughter an animal. The bloods do not resemble each other. Omar Lahu Nebuzardan says, Galilee, tell me what this blood really is. And if you do not, he says, I will tear your flesh with an iron comb. And so they answer him, This is the man who was a Kohen and a prophet to prophesy to Israel about the coming destruction. And they killed him. Omar Nebuzardan, I am going to appease him. What he does in typical Nebuzardan fashion, he brings the Rabbanon, he brings the school children, kills them each right there, and still keeps bubbling. Uh, they say that he killed, uh, it hasn't, it's excessive, but it had, they say, 940,000 people on the spot. It certainly was 100,000, is what they say, and it's covered with blood. Belonach, it still doesn't stop. Krolagabe Omar Nevuzardan shouts out to him, Zachariah, Zachariah, Tovim Shebahen, I've killed their best. Do you want me to kill them all off? What will appease you? That moment, it stopped the boiling blood. 
And then at that moment, har her tshuva bidate. Suddenly, Nebuzardan gets great pangs of tshuva. Omar, mahem shelo adbiu elo nefesh achatach. If they took only one life, these Jews, and they are punished so severely, hahu gavra, meaning me, what's going to become of me who've killed all these people? Arak, he runs away from there. Shodar Putisa Levese, he sets his house in order, the Iskayer, and he converts to Judaism, where he becomes a Ger Tzedek. So that is the Agatha. Uh, internalize it as you will. In any event, he makes a tremendous destruction. Uh, we're on Pasuk Yudalov now, the people. We've seen what he does with the buildings. Those people who remain in the city, and those who surrendered already, one fate. And the rest of the people, they are going into exile, whether they surrendered, whether they resisted, um, whether they are... Uh, just passive, they are going. Umidalas ha'aretz, and from the dalas ha'aretz, we call it, you don't want to say riffraff, but from the rest of the people that are there, hishirav tabachim lechromim uliyigvim. Everybody theoretically goes, except the chromim uliyogvim. Two strange terms. Well, chromim isn't to say, it would seem to indicate vineyard workers. The Yogvim is diggers, what they did. And it's very strange that these two professions would be spared until the Mephoshim shed light on it. This is purely self-motivation. The Krumim were the workers, were the, the vineyard workers, who were able to blend a very valuable rare spice. They could take the flowers of the balsam tree and convert it into a secret formula of the most valuable desired spices. The ligvim were diggers who sought, who dug up that special earthworm that gave the tzecheles, that only yielded, the only animal that could do it, a certain dye. It was a dye they used originally to dye the um, talasin and the uh, mezuzah, except these um, were made out of that talus, sort of a royal blue, as it were. But it was very valuable in terms of the commodity themselves, and the Bavlium wanted. So those guys, they leave there because it's going to produce a very profitable commercial result. Now they destroy the base Hamikdash, and it seems the most desired element to them is Nechoshes, copper. They destroy the Es Amude Hanachoshes, the coppers in the base Hamikdash. Remember, Shlomo had put a lot of Nechoshes. The Es Hamachonos, the columns. Uh, that sea of Nechoshes that Shlomo had built for the Kohanim, Asher Beves Hashem, Shibru Kastim, they smash it, Vayisru Es Nechushtam Bavel, and they cart it off to Bavel, Ves Hasiros, Ves you're talking about uh, forks, knives, 
masmeros, tuning pitches, there's kapos, spoons, there's koche, every utensil hanachoshes, asher yishosu, that they use in the avoda at the base hamikdos, one lochu, they take. There's hamachtos, there's hamazarkos, again, the pans, the pots, asher zahav, zahav, they take the gold, asher kesef, kesef, nechoshes, lokach, rabtavachim, nevuzardon, Lutz. Hamudim Shnaim Hayom Echad Vamachunita Sharasa Shlomo, the columns, the sea of copper, the Vais Hashem, Lohoyom Mishkal, the Nechad. There was no way to even measure it, it was beyond measurement. Koha Kalim Ha'ela, but they are carted off. Shlona Esrei Amo Komas Ha'amud, it was 18 Amos tall. Hachad Vachasaurus Allah, there were networks above it. We saw that then he built this intricate thing of pomegranates. The Choshes with Komas Hakaseret, Shlosh Amos with three Amos, the Shivavav Rimonim was networked with pomegranates, Al Hakaseret on the crowns, Saviv Hakon the Choshes, copper all around it, the second column as well was networked with great ornamentation. And now he takes the sort of ruling elite that surrounded uh, Yoshio. So he takes Eshirya Kohen, Horosha Stefania Kohen, Mishnah, the secondary Kohen, Stefanyo, Eshlosha Shomri Hasaf, the three guardians, they were the ones who uh, did, you know, supervise the Kohanim. Umina Ir Lachach Saris, Echad, officers, Asherhu Pakid, Alanche HaMilchama, he commands the army, the standing army, the Chamishana, Shim Meroe Pnei HaMelech, the five people, Meroe Pnei HaMelech, indicates the closest advisors to the king, Asher Nimsu Ba'ir, the Sofer, the scribe, Sar HaTzava, the military head, Hamatsmi Es Am HaOres, Vishishimi Ishmihim HaOres, Hamisatsim Ba'ir, and 60 other men who we assume were part of the machinery that made the, the government work. He takes them He takes them back to Rivlasa. We learned that that is his headquarters where he sets up his provisional government in Rivlasa. And the king uh, tortures them first. And Judea is sent into exile. And the Mephoshim point out, Nebuchadnezzar was obsessed with the fear that somehow in getting them from Yerushalayim to the Euphrates, which is the border of Bavel and Eretz Yisrael, something would happen. The Kaddish Baruch Hu would relent. They would be mismalel and achieve tshuva. He drove Nebuzardan to drive them without rest. There was no stops. There was no time for tefillah. They pushed them and pulled them without any kind of rest. Uh, until they reached the Euphrates, and there we learn the famous Al Naharos Bavel when they were finally able to sit. The Am Hanishra Beretz Yehuda Sherushin Nevuchadnezzar Melch Bavel. 
We will get to that, what happens to the remnants. And just when you think that these people left in Yerushalayim has seen it all, cannot suffer any longer, you are wrong. Because at 8.45 a.m. tomorrow, we are going to see the tragic assassination of Gedaliah ben Achikam Adkan, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow.